Father, thank you for this incredible church. Thank you that it is going from strength to strength, from glory to glory. And, and, and church, that's what I see. I just see you going, going to the next level. That this is going to be a year of breakthrough and, and, and like a, a rocket that just breaks through barriers. That's what I see over you. Not just as a church, but as individuals. And so, Father, I pray that this word would play, play its part, admittedly a small part, but play its part in taking this church to the next level. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Word of God makes it clear that we should give honor where honor is due. And I want to honor this house for what it is and for what it does. I want to honor every one of you who serve, who give of yourself, whether it's as a connect leader or as an usher, whatever you do. I want to honor you. I want to honor your leaders and your elders. And in specific, I want to honor Pastor Carol and, and Andrew. Um, and I said this last time, but, but they've been in ministry for 30 years now. Carol started at 13. I know you're wondering. You know? um, and, and that's not a small thing to be in the game continuously. They, they were instrumental. They were key. They were part of that team that started Every Nation Joburg, that first congregation, which is Every Nation Rosebank. They were key part of that. Um, I think Andrew was number two person part of it, and Carol was maybe number four or something like that. And, and then they were instrumental in, in planting Every Nation Vintook, um, an incredible church, a real pearl in Every Nation Southern Africa, and then leading here in Every Nation Ramsook. So I want to honor them. Could we give them a round of applause, please? <laughs> Quick updates on my family. Um, since I was with you last... Um, I now have a daughter in love. Not a daughter in law, a daughter in love. We always wanted two boys and two girls. And uh, so we, now we've got two boys and one girl. <laughs> and if Sean gets married, we'll, we'll have two. Um, the wedding was glorious. God was there powerfully. And it uh, cost a whole lot of money. And I'll, <laughs> and I'll give a testimony about that in a moment. But two things really struck me at the wedding, what they said to each other, they said two profound things. They said, I promise you the impossible because without God, I can't hold to this promise. I promise you the impossible. And the truth is, married people or aspiring to be married people, it is impossible without God to stay true to those promises. That is why we've got to stay close to God. The other thing that they said was, I promise to love you less. And everybody went like, what? <laughs> I promise to love you less than I love Jesus. And you want a healthy marriage, you want a healthy life, then make sure that you love Jesus above everything. More than you love your spouse, more than you love your children, you love Jesus. One more thing, the week before the wedding, Amy came up, that's her name, and uh, James and Amy met first year, and James said, she's his standard of a woman, which always made it strange for us that James then went out with another incredible lady for <laughs> two and a half years, but that's another story. <laughs> but, but the week before the wedding, we were sitting around the dinner table, and uh, Amy was with us, and she did this. She, they both got married as virgins, which is amazing, and very possible, amen? Yeah. But Amy said, you know, 
in first year, I met James, but I had a crush on so-and-so. And then she said, and in second year, I had a crush on person B. And, and then third year, I had a crush on person C, but nothing worked out. And I thought to myself, what courage and what honesty and what a place to be to be a person who doesn't try patch up their past, but acknowledges that we are all children, sons and daughters of God's grace. So, please hear me. She's not like running out there with boys, but she acknowledged that she had a crush on this person in first year, that person in second year, that person in third year. And that's the reality. None of our paths are perfect, right? The only time they're perfect is we align perfectly with God. And uh, we are all here because of God's grace, because of God's mercy. I have desired to preach this word to you for a while. And um, so... If you're going like, why is he preaching it now? Okay, don't do that. Okay, I have felt like, a, like a, I've wanted to come and bring this word to you for a while for two reasons. Um, one is that it's a kind of word that it's better for somebody else to bring and not the senior pastors. Okay. You can change the slide, Mary. Um, and, and the other reason is um, because if you're going to go to the next level, you need it. Now, we all love leadership, right? We all read books on leadership. We all want to be leaders. We all get excited about leaders. Um, this is one of my South African hero leaders. Who knows who that is? Richard Maponya, right? Okay, who just recently passed away of old age. He was born 24th of December, 1920. And he passed away two, two weeks ago. He, um, at 24, is a teacher. He left teaching and he started to work in a clothing manufacturing company. And he did such a great job that him and his wife manager, Old Apartheid South Africa, both got promotion. And his boss was so thankful to him that he gave him all the offcuts and all these soiled clothes. And he, and he took these soiled clothes and he went to, into Soweto and he sold them. And with that money, that capital, he started an incredible business. And uh, later on, he, he built up another business. Um, he couldn't succeed as a clothing retailer because the apartheid government wouldn't, wouldn't give him a license. And um, Oliver Tambo and Nelson Mandela's law firm fought for him. But then he started what was known as Doobie Hygienic Dairy. And um, he used young teenage boys to ride on their bicycles and to deliver fresh milk all across Soweto. That's how his business started. Um, in the 60s, he was the first president of NAFCOC, National African Federation Chamber of Commerce, and the founder chairman of the African Chamber of Commerce. And what you see there in the slide is Maponya Mall, which um, he built up and uh, initially on a 99-year lease, and then now the land is his. Passed away old age at 99, and he's an inspirational story of leadership. And We've all got our heroes. Some of you have got uh, legal heroes, political heroes, sports heroes, business heroes, heroes in art. But I want to talk to you today about being a hero or rather being a leader. So the topic today is leaders and unleaders. Okay? And this, I believe, is part of you going to the next level as an individual and as a church. Yes. So let's go to the Word of God and look at what 
what God's word says about leaders. So we're looking at the story in Numbers chapter 13. Israel has come out of the promised land. God has made covenant with them. God has blessed them. He's established them as a nation. They've experienced the cloud by day and the fire by night. They've, they've seen his presence. They've seen his glory. They've been fed by man in the wilderness. It's awesome. It's all fantastic. And now they're going to enter into the promised land. You know, for you to enter into the promised land, your relationship with other people is really important. Yeah. It's not just you and God. And your relationship with leaders is really important. And your relationship with people as a leader is really important. So we pick up the story. This is about a year into being in, in the wilderness. And they're about to go in. This is God's plan. It's not that they do 40 years in the wilderness. Yeah, that's right. But what happens here in the story is what causes them to do laps in the desert. Yeah. Let it not be that we do laps in the desert. Let it not be that our life is Groundhog Day. It's an old movie where every morning this guy wakes up and he's doing the same thing again. You know, it's, it's the 31st of January or whatever it is. And he's in constant repeat. But let it be that we go forward this year. So here's the story. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spot the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a chief amongst them. And he lists all of them. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether few or many, whether the land is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or stronghold, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruits of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land, these like, massive things of grapes. One thing of grapes took, took two men to carry, and they told them, we came to the land which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. This is the land that God has for us. A land of abundance, a land of prosperity, and this is its fruit. Verse 28, however, the people who dwell in it are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. These were the giants. The Malachites also dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea. Then, up stands Caleb. He's one of the twelve, and he says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. I just love that spirit. The land is good. Don't focus on the giants. Focus on God. Focus on what He is doing in your life. Don't focus on the negative. Focus on what God has for you. We are well able to overcome it. Okay. Now the story moves sideways. Then the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw in it are of great height. I mean, that's a lie. You know? 
And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of the Anak. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. Ten of these spies, ten of these leaders, have a bad report. And the congregation responds. They raise the loud cry. They hear these negative words. They hear that it's hard. And it says, and the people wept that night. Some versions, it says they cried the whole night. Now, God has done miracle after miracle. The Red Sea has parted, manna, fire, water. I mean, they've seen the the miracles in, in Israel, the plagues coming down. And then it says, and the people grumbled against Moses. Now, I grew up on the East Rand. I know this is kind of like the West Rand. You know? The East Rand and the West Rand are similar, okay? Right? Except you've got Machalisburg and beautiful parks and we've got the airport. But, <laughs> but we're similar in this way, okay? Well, East Rand, we make up words, right? Okay, so we're making up a word. It's an unleader, okay? It's an unleader. Say it, unleader. Okay. An unleader is someone who's got leadership grace. He's got leadership gift. He's got influence, but he leads in the wrong way. So we had, we've got 12 leaders here, but 10 of them were unleaders, right? Who had greater influence, the two or the 10? The 10 had more influence, right? Because the people listened to those 10. Sometimes the people listen to the unleaders and they don't listen to the leaders. I want to tell you a story about what happened to me last year. We went to Dinner King with Pastor Jim LeFou. You know Pastor Jim LeFou? Some of you know him. And uh, he had prophesied and preached and done a whole lot of things. Uh, Pastor Andrew and Carol were part of running these two incredible schools. They brought Pastor Jim out, and it was amazing. And uh, at the end of it, often these international guests, they come, they fly in, they work, and they go. And we're saying, no, we're going to take you for a game drive. So... Dinner King's just north of Pretoria, and uh, Pastor Jim says he'd really like to see the elephants. So, we like, so the game ranger, he's like the chief game ranger, he says, look, the elephants are a bit twitchy uh, because they've just been put into the game reserve, and they're with calves, so they've only been here two weeks, so not quite sure, but we'll, we'll try. So we drive, and we track, and we listen, and you can hear them pushing through, and okay, we drive around it. Lo and behold, the elephants start coming out. It's like awesome. It's like heaven, you know? You can almost hear the music. You know, it's like a beautiful moment. You know? <laughs> elephants in slow motion walking out. Mama elephant. and Just beautiful. And Jim's over the mood. And Kathy. And we're taking pictures. And it's like absolutely fantastic. And all the elephants come out. And they're close. And then all of a sudden, the last elephant comes out. And it's Mama elephant. <laughs> and she sees us. And she doesn't trumpet. And she doesn't flap her ears. Nothing. She just looks at us, and that's it. And she charges. Oh, wow. And she is charging full tilt. Oh, my word. And she is massive, and there is no warning, you know. And uh, our game ranger starts banging on the vehicle, you know. And now the elephant's close, and he starts to put her in reverse. And uh, one, one lady, who shall remain nameless, um, goes, Skitom, skitom, which means shoot the elephant, you know. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Jim goes, Sakara. He starts praying in his heavenly language. Um, one pastor drops 
not the worst, but a, quite a bad four-letter word, you know. <laughs> and we in reverse now, and we're driving, and, and there's this like tree behind us. We've got to like, dodge the tree, and we, because I'm from the East End, I know how to drive, you know. We dodge the tree. Right. Elephant's right on us. He just like, she runs right through this tree, you know. Oh, I mean, and she's right on us. And uh, eventually, after about 400 meters, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot when the elephant is... <laughs> I mean, I could have pulled the hairs off that elephant's trunk almost, you know. Eventually, the elephant runs out of juice. They can run about 400 meters at full tilt, you know. And, um, man, there's trauma. There's, there's trauma. <laughs> we drive, and we stop by our waterhole, and we get out, and now it's time for Victory Weekend, Sozo, <laughs> inner, inner healing. And we're about to do that when a rhino walks into the clearing. So <laughs> we go somewhere else, and... And now it's like a whole lot of time for ministry because the one person had been traumatized by elephants before. And, you know. Anyway, we start, to help us, we think, you know what? This elephant, she was trying to protect her young. Yeah. She, they were pushing against the northern fence because they'd been taken out of where they were, about 200 kilometers north. And all she was being was a good leader. Yes. Okay? She was being a good leader. In her computation, there was threat, and she was being a good leader. And, uh, and as we realized that, we like, okay, we can understand it, okay? It's nothing personal. It's not a demonic elephant yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> trying to take out God's people, you know? It's an, it's an elephant who's operating in her gift of leadership. The Bible talks about different gifts. It talks about the gift of prophecy talks about the gift of serving, talks about the gift of encouragement, the gift of generosity, but it also talks about the gift of leadership. Yeah. You know, South Africa, because, it, because of what it went through, because of apartheid, the pendulum has now swung to the other extreme. Okay? Swung to the other extreme. Now it's like nothing can be done unless everybody has been consulted 500 times. Okay? And the reality is, Consultation is good. Democracy is amazing. May we never go back. But we also need to be people who recognize that there are different gifts. Yeah. Gift of generosity, gift of service, gift of prophecy, gift of pastoring, whatever, um, callings. But there is a gift of leadership. And we do well and we will prosper as we receive this gift of leadership in our lives. And I'll give you some more scriptures about this in a moment. So in God's economy, there are leaders there are followers, and there are unleaders. Biblical perspective on, on leadership is that we should be servant leaders. Mm-hmm. Leadership starts with the perspective of, I'm here to serve the Lord and to serve God's people. Jesus addresses his disciples who are having an argument about who will be first. And he says, but amongst you it will be different Whoever wants to be a leader amongst you must be your servant. So unlike the world, it's an inverted hierarchy or inverted pyramid. As leaders, we serve. I appreciate, Carol, your beautiful introduction. But let me say this. There's no job that's more important than the other job. But we must just be faithful in our calling and what God has called us to do. No more important one or less important one in the kingdom of God. 
And at home, I'm the one who takes out the trash. And at home, come on. Huh? That's my job. And at home, I'm the one who picks up the dog, you know what. You know? So may we all be willing to be servant leaders and not aspire to leadership in a way that is worldly. Now, we should aspire to be leaders. When Carol and Andrew and the leaders say to you, hey, we need connect leaders, you should desire to serve. And you should have a noble ambition to serve spiritually and to bring your gift. But it comes from the perspective of being a servant leader. So let's look at, um, at, at what leaders do and what unleaders do. So leaders see the possibilities and they see the obstacles. So the so leaders see the milk and honey. They see that the land is rich. They see that there are strongholds to be taken. And difference-making leaders, they calculate, they work out, they count the cost, and then they take God's people into the promised land. Yeah. You know, one of the definitions of a leader is that they've seen something that the other people haven't seen. Yes. So sometimes you've got to be, well, okay, I don't see it, but my leader sees it. I don't understand why I have to come on a Saturday for this, but my leader sees it, so I'm going to do it. So leaders see things, they see the possibilities, and they see the obstacles. And they define the reality, and they take things forward. Unleaders, however, remember what an unleader is? It's the Easter end word for somebody who's got influence, who's got ability, but leads in the wrong direction. They choose to disobey and to disregard God because of the obstacles. So they're the ones who say, you know what, we are like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And they bring lies. They say, you know, all of them are giants, but not all of them were giants. Yeah. And unleaders become overwhelmed by the circumstances. And sadly, they use their place of influence to negatively affect the whole. Yeah. You know, influence is contagious. Yeah. What you are gets passed on. Yeah. So in my family, I don't get flu from my family. But if I get flu, I give it to everybody. <laughs> um, people get what you are. Okay? What, what you are, they get. And that's why it's so important to deal with what is inside of us. A leader doesn't have all the answers. Don't expect a leader to have all the answers. But a leader can hear from God and take God's people into the promised land. I remember when we were just married and uh, Nicola... And I was sitting with my parents at a steakhouse, and my dad says to me, so what are you going to do this year, you know, because you don't have a job? And I just knew that God didn't want me to get a job. I'd qualified as a chartered accountant. But he's asking me some really tough questions. And I knew there was more and something different. So as he asked me, and I don't know what to say, I just started to cry at the steakhouse. We've been married like a month and a half. Nick was like petting me, you know, <laughs> squeezing my leg. There, there, honey. I'm sure she's like, what if I'm married, you know? <laughs> but I knew that there was something that God had. I couldn't explain it all, but I knew there was something that God had. I don't, I don't want to forget this. I should have said it earlier. The wedding cost a whole lot of money, and, uh, and we gladly gave it. And I share this testimony for you to say, God, do it again. First week of December, I get a call from our business partners 
who've been running a business when I walked away from uh, business into ministry. And the last four years, it's been losing money. And they said, we're going to buy you out. And long story. And I said, don't buy me out. I don't want to sell out. That was August. December, they call me up and they say, can we meet? We've got good news. We've got a dividend for all of us. And the dividend that, they, that, they, that was due to me covered the wedding and more. And it, and, it was a, and it was a complete, unexpected, blindside, side swap. May God give that to you as well. May God bless you unexpectedly. Be faithful in what you've got to do. And may God unexpectedly bless you and provide for you. So a leader doesn't have all the answers, but they know that God will lead and protect and provide. And, and they don't deny the giants, but above all, they don't deny God. You know, some, some giants that you might be facing, some giants that might be in your head, might be the economy, might be the job, might be your finances, or it might be in the church. It might be a perspective on, you know, men don't like small groups. That might be a giant in your head, so you don't invite men. Or, you know, white people can't be led by black people, or black people can't be led by white people. That might be a giant in your head. Or building a multicultural church doesn't work, or discipleship doesn't work. May your giants be pulled down. May your giants be pulled down. Let the Word of God prevail in your life and over this church. I love what, I love what Joshua and Caleb do. They get up. And you can read this in Numbers chapter 14. After the people were crying and wailing and weeping and grumbling against Moses, they say, the land we pass through is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will lead us into that land. Only do not rebel against the land and do not be afraid of the land. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. I want to juxtapose for you what an unleader does Versus what a leader does. So, unleaders, I'm not saying it's deliberate. Sometimes it is. But an unleader creates rebellion through little innuendos, through little whispers, through subtle opinions, through even questions. Remember how Satan came? He asked questions. Um, they create rebellion in an environment. But you know what leaders do? They call people to allegiance to God. They call people to faithfulness. They recognize the big picture. And they call people up into faithfulness to God. And leaders create an environment of fear and doubt. Do you remember Winnie the Pooh? Yes. Remember in Winnie the Pooh there was Eeyore? Yeah. Remember what Eeyore would say? Oh, nothing's going to work. Yeah. That's what and leaders do. They give all the reasons why it won't work. And even when it is working, what do they say? Well, it's going to fail soon. But leaders find courage. They take hold of God. And they call it up out of people. And they get people to do more than they ever dreamed possible. And leaders may have temporary popularity. Just like those ten. They had temporary popularity. Sometimes their words sound so wise and so compassionate. You know? How could they get you to do that on a Saturday? You just need to stay home on a Saturday. Um, so unleaders can have temporary popularity. And leaders are not always popular. Yeah. They actually talked about stopping Moses. 
in Numbers chapter 14, verse 10. But remember what I said to you earlier? Leaders see things that the people don't see. Unleaders cause people to have contempt for God. God said in Numbers 14, verse 11, How long will these people treat me with contempt? But leaders cause people to follow God and honor God. They reproduce themselves because they are honoring God. They cause people to honor God. And leaders bring suffering onto the next generation. So remember what happened. After this, the whole of Israel, because they follow those 10 unleaders, they end up spending 40 years in the wilderness. But leaders bring people into life and blessing and into fullness. You know, it's, it sounds like I'm, it might sound like I'm being heavy to you today. But I've seen this work in my own life as I submit to leaders. And are leaders perfect? No, I'm not saying that. But as you follow the leaders that God has put in your life, God blesses you. And His hand is upon you. And leaders lose their influence in an untimely way. It says in Numbers 14, 36, These men who returned and grumbled were struck down and died of a plague before the Lord. They're there, they're there, they're there, and then boom, they're gone. But leaders have eternity that lasts forever. Ultimately, the difference between leaders and unleaders, leaders follow God wholeheartedly. So the question is asked, why do followers listen to the voice of an unleader? I mean, have you ever wondered, why, why do they listen? I believe here's the answer in Deuteronomy 1 verse 26. It says, Yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, Because the Lord hated us, He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. What am I saying? I'm saying if you've got a bent, warped, twisted perspective on God, you become vulnerable to following an unleader. Because your mind is, is, is God isn't good. So when a leader says to you, hey, just keep yourself pure, it'll be awesome, you'll have a fantastic marriage, you're like, no, I'd rather have sex with my girlfriend. And you don't realize the consequence of that. Leaders... And because of your perspective on God, on His commands and what He's saying, because your perspective is twisted, it makes you open to hearing the voice of unleaders instead of leaders. Interesting. These two great leaders, Joshua and Caleb, were not just leaders, but you know what they also were? They were followers. And if you're going to be a leader, and it's good if you want to be a leader, It starts with you being able to be a follower. All the great leaders of history, you look at their lives, they were followers at one stage. Business, you report to your shareholders. Every president reports to his his party. Business, you report to to your board of directors. So if you want to be a leader, you've got to start with being a follower. And and, and one of the greatest leaders whom Jesus commended was the Roman centurion. Remember what he said about him? He said to Jesus, I to him a man under authority. That's right. You want to have authority? It starts with you being a man, a woman, That's right. 
under authority. What does the word of God say? What does it say in the church? It says, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor amongst you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace amongst yourself. You know what that word admonishes? Gently correct and guide. God has put leadership in place in your life, in the church, in this beautiful community to bless you and to prosper you and to gently correct and guide you. Now, you don't have to listen. You don't have to listen. But it will go well for you if you listen. You will prosper if you do. Hebrews chapter 13 says it even stronger. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who give an account. Let them do this with joy. In other words, don't drive them nuts. <laughs> and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. You know that word submit? It's a military term. It's to give way. It means to surrender. Okay, as I wrap this up, you need to keep in step with your leaders. So some practical things. Ask how you can serve your leaders, your pastors. Talk honestly to your leaders and not about, not about them. There is a blessing that comes, the power and the presence of God, miracle signs and wonders, when people dwell together right. in unity. Yes. And that is why we deal strongly with Skinner and slander, and we don't allow it. But if there's stuff, then talk honestly. Encourage your pastor. So you remember the sandwich principle? Remember the sandwich principle of, of, of giving feedback? So, so don't do this on a Monday. Don't do this. Pastor Carol, I really didn't enjoy song number three. And, and, and there was no sugar for the coffee. You know? There was no tea. <laughs> for every for every one no tea in Mark's <laughs> Mark's grieving. They say for every one word of correction you bring, you should bring seven words of affirmation in a family, in a marriage, in a relationship. So oh, it's one for seven. Come on, Musa, get ready for that marriage. <laughs> Can we have an environment in this house of words of encouragement? And if you have to bring, you know, a constructive criticism, let it be off the back of that you've been giving a whole lot of affirmation, that you've been giving a whole lot of encouragement, yeah. and you are seeing all the good things first, and then saying, hey, and by the way, maybe you didn't notice, but I humbly submit that. But we're doing it in an environment of encouragement. Next one, can we ensure that our leaders are provided for financially? The Word of God says that we should share all good things. <coughs> Over December, um, we had a bit of a mixed December, and uh, with people staying with us, and Nicholas taking strain with the people staying with us. I know that never happens to any of you, yeah. you know, <laughs> when family stays and everything's good. <laughs> 
And I said to a friend of mine, um, yeah, we're looking to get away, hoping to go to Makalisburg, just like for two days, just, just some time, just in the Klamath. And out of the blue, it said to us, oh, we've got points and uh, we've booked for you if you'd like to take it. We want to send you to Clarence for, for two days. And we're just blessed out of our socks. Uh, pardon? We should have gone to the West End. It's even better than the West End. <laughs> but can you make sure that you're being faithful in your giving and tithing? I mean, in another church in the city, we received a complaint about somebody who said, no, you shouldn't be spending so much money on fixing the building. But I'm like looking at this person and their fabulous house, you know, <laughs> which has got every single, you know, their five million house, you know, but now they're complaining that the church spends 100K on fixing something. Can we not be like that? Can we make sure that God's house is built up yeah. and that our leaders are supported and, and ensure that they've got enough? And, and do you pray for your pastor? Yep, I'm glad. <laughs> and if your pastor, I, I mean, not, this, not these pastors, but if your pastor does need to change in a little way, this is completely hypothetical, I know. <laughs> if they need to change in just a little way, can it start with you praying for them? You know? I mean, I've got the most amazing wife, perfect but sometimes I'm like, Lord, just help me here. <laughs> and either change me or change her or change something. But some change needs to come. But, but can we pray for our leaders as well? God is taking us. God is taking you into the promised land. You getting this part right of being a follower. You being a leader and not being an unleader is a vital part of it. Amen. Can we bow heads and pray together? Amen. Father, you give grace to the humble. You resist the proud. Father, I pray that your word would find place in every heart here today. Lord, I pray that people would hear your heart in this. Lord, how we relate to one another, how we relate to leaders, how we relate as followers is of great importance. So, Lord, I pray for a, a heart surgery and a healing and, and where people have been, been hurt by the church, Lord, we, we repent and, and, Lord, bring healing. At the same time, Lord God, we, we cannot shy away from the practice that you have intended for the church. So heal those hearts that have been hurt. But, Lord, for all of us, may we align to, to your beautiful church. And what you've put in place, Lord, the gift of leadership. And Lord, where we have been unleaders, Lord, we just pray your grace and your mercy and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.